Hi, everybody, and welcome to our session today. Uh, I'm Ines Rubio, Head of Information Management and Incident Response in BSI, and I'm glad to be here with Amanda Fennell, Chief Security Officer at Relativity. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I suppose the, the, the purpose of today is to basically focus on challenges that C-suite level face in a cloud-first world. And um, we really appreciate your input and taking the time, Amanda, to, to speak with us today. Um, so uh, basically, we want to understand you know, what kind of challenges or solutions or recommendations um, you, you'd like to kind of share based on your experience um, and you know, see what, how, what your feelings are and predictions on the future, perhaps. That's awesome. Well, I'm, I'm really glad to be here. It's like I'm having coffee with you since it's my morning time. So thanks for having me here. Uh, this is a great topic. So where would you like to start? You want to just dive right into predictions like I'm a psychic? No, so like I think um, from our perspective, one of the things that we're seeing um, uh, from the businesses that we're, we're involved with with our clients and our partners is that a lot everybody's moving to or a lot of people are moving to a cloud for first approach, right? Um, and basically, obviously, given the advantages that the cloud uh, offers, uh, you know, in terms of scalability and availability and security, um, we, and we in fact experienced it ourselves with Relativity One, where one of the things that we, um, the, the, the I suppose pain points and hassle that we experienced uh, was again managing on-prem instances and, and worrying about you know backups and BCP and security of it as well and the maintenance of it and the inability to scale um, quickly and easily. Um, but basically, what we've seen with some of our clients is some people tend to jump on the cloud wagon a little bit without really thinking it through um, and thinking about the security aspect of it as well, just the same way that they would with um, their on-premise instances or any kind of on-prem server that they might have. Um, so basically, to look out for um, that security perspective and ensuring that people remember that security comes hand in hand with the cloud and any other application, really, um, but um, ultimately in your role, this is kind of what, what you do, right? Yeah, yeah, this is the part of the job that's a little bit like being like a traveling salesman actually, um, because it started you know, about three to five years ago, it was people would just say like, no, no to cloud, cloud's never gonna happen, um, it's just way too much risk for us. And I have a previous experience at working at a Zurich, you know, is you know, based Swiss-based insurance company, which is very cautious about it. Uh, but about that time frame, three to five years ago, people started realizing the benefits that you just mentioned, like the scalability, the flexibility, um, the performance and maintenance that they didn't want to have to continue to be data centers, that they wanted to like lift and shift that, and that was that mentality, and then security. So when people started realizing, okay, well, we're going to start doing this, we're going to become like a, an, an O365 world, you know, Microsoft really helped open up a lot of doors with that. And people started to put some data in the cloud and it was really like small amounts that were happening. But this past year, we've actually seen a ton of growth in this industry just as a cloud vendor, right? So tons of people have gotten on board with saying, you know what, we did a return on investment, we did a cost benefit analysis, it is way more effective to send this into the cloud than it is for us to continue to maintain data centers, which is not people's forte anymore, to deal with the security for something that's on-prem. You know, a great example is like if a critical vulnerability hits for, for anybody out there that's got an on-prem and a cloud, 
we, we don't really have a lot of control with the on-prem. You know, it's a matter of the customer is going to have to feel the pain of how to deal with the critical vulnerability about if there's a hot fix, if there's a new version upgrade, and it has to be done very rapidly. But if it's in the cloud, it's just boom, it's rolled out, you know, and, and whatever time frame, you know, 24 hours or so on, and it's behind the scenes and a customer feels no pain from that at all. So those kind of things have been hitting home this last year. And it's just gotten to a point that a few years ago, you'd get kicked out and people were like talking about cloud. They're like, all right, get out of here. We're not even going to talk to you. And now they're not just saying, okay, well, let's hang out and talk about this. They're like, tell me more and give me some of the data that shows that you can do this better than me because goodness me, I'm sick of dealing with it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's so interesting because I have I find myself in the exact same situation where maybe a couple of years ago we were having conversations with clients saying, oh, the cloud. And we, it was met with very a lot of skepticism, actually. It was like, mm, no, no, scrap that idea. And in fact, now has been a complete shift to we say, oh, it's in the cloud. It's relatively one or other cloud applications are like, great. So we can scale as much as we want. That's perfect. No hassle. So it's, it's actually it's actually really great to see that it's been taken up um, so well. Um, but just going back to your actual position within Relativity, because um, we were discussing this about uh, your position as Chief Security Officer versus a, so a C CSO versus a CISO. So do you want to walk us through that uh, just so everybody's aware of the, the, maybe the differences <laughs> of that? Yeah, I get that actually more than you would think. Uh, but this is, a, it's just a question of distinction, but it's hidden in that acronym for a CSI, CISO versus a CSO. Both can be pronounced CISO, but the, the uh, you know, there is a question. The role for a chief information security officer is responsible for information in their company. So they've got the protection of data. They might even have IT or systems and engineering background, which is pretty much ideal for that. But a chief security officer has to deal with the data for inside the company, outside the company, our product security, the cloud security, the physical security, the employees, the assets, the facilities, and potentially a law enforcement background. And that's just generically, that's where a lot of people come from. I myself had a background in forensics and police investigations and government. So that's kind of why I'm more on the CSO as opposed to CISO. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting what you say about the, the, the actual physical security as well, because we were um, what was discussing with a colleague of mine uh, last week, and and we were basically talking about data protection a little bit. And one of the main things we said was it all comes back. You kind of have to peel it back to the people that work in your organization and understanding how they operate and what they do and how they work. Um, and it's just as important to manage that part of the, the puzzle um, as it is to manage the applications and the security side of that. Um, so in terms of your role as CISO or <laughs> CSO, uh, what would you say are the main challenges that you come across or that your team comes across with? You know, it's probably about growth, which is supposed to be such a good word, right? We have a lot of growth. We're um, very quick to, to jump on things and go from zero to 60 when we want to accomplish something, which is an amazing high octane environment. And it's very challenging and exciting. But the flip side of that is that every new person in that growth is a new potential insider threat. They're a new potential um, accidental misuse or appropriation of anything. And, and so I have to look at each one of those as a, as a kind of a stress factor, that they're new and they're somebody that has to be trained up. So I worked really you know, diligently to ensure that the Calder 7 is our security team that we have for Relativity that we all have this mindset as we tripled in size as a team that we
we all were going in the same direction. We had the same mission in mind and we take it very seriously. And it's very honorable and something that we take, you know, so close to heart every day. But we developed all this mindset that has to spread throughout an entire company. So security awareness is a really big part of that. It's making sure that we train people from the minute that they walk in the door as a part of this company to when they're at home and they're, you know, logging in for something that they take this very seriously and they understand the importance of what their, you know, exposure and access is. So we built this out. Um, our team built out and it was pretty challenging, but my, my response to the challenge of what did we have to deal with? How did this affect us and what was the challenge? The challenge was we had a lot of specializations required. You know, you can't really have a lot of generalists in security. You do have to specialize in something and get to that subject matter level expert. And so instead of just having, you know, 15 security people, we have 50 people and they're in cloud, they're in, okay, cloud security, security development with those new features like our customer managed keys, um, the logging that via API into your MSSP or a SIM. Um, those are all these features we kind of work on in the background. We have a cyber threat intelligence team, a hunting team analysis, insider threat. These are all these specialists that come in. The cool part about that is that there's a lot of cross-pollination, right? Whenever you have a threat intelligence analyst sitting in a pod of people, it affects the other people when there's an incident. They're you know, running an incident down for something, they're bouncing everything off of that person with IOCs, but also their perspective. So the challenge was to replicate you know, this, this level of expertise and kind of push this out into the entire company so that they could benefit from it, so that they could think like an, you know, a, a security person with the stuff that they're doing every day. And we had to be, you know, just super responsive with that. So we created a security awareness division and um, it's been super successful. We have a lot of different SLAs. You always have to measure, is this helpful? Is this moving the needle somewhere? Is this doing anything? Uh, but that's been where we focused with how to deal with the challenge, develop people and get this across the company and try to stay ahead. That's the other challenge that everybody's feeling. And I know you do too, because we've talked about this, but how do you, you know, predict ahead of time what's going to happen? Not just in the threat landscape, but also a feature that's needed. So a lot of security features come out like Microsoft had to finish some of the work on their side before we could develop customer managed key, right? So customers would be pinging on us to say, when is this gonna come about? Why don't you have this yet? And we're waiting for Microsoft to finish. As soon as they were done, we had to have our resources planned out and ready to go for the project to get that developed. So we have to be looking at that, but at the same time looking ahead of what, what else is a challenge that a customer is gonna come to us for? Because we don't wanna hear it and then say, oh, well, I guess we should start work on that and add that to the roadmap for a year from now. And one of those was things like the logging that we talked about, which internally we refer to as Saturn, and I think externally it's referred to as relativity logging. But it's essentially our way of, you know, via API, a customer is able to grab all of the security relevant logs into their own system if they want to check it themselves, because we're doing mm -hmm. it and we use our own threat intelligence against it, but maybe they might have information we don't. So those are those kind of things that you have to try to stay ahead. And that's probably the biggest challenge. Yeah, I think uh, absolutely. The fast pace is definitely something that's an ongoing theme for the e-discovery legal technology world. Um, and I think it's so it's so keen to always stay basically be on the lookout for what's next and how to adapt um, and even try to stay ahead of the curve. And as you said, it kind of that, that falls under the category of new features, new behaviors, as, even as as humans, how are we talking to each other and how does that impact the work that you know, relativity does and that, that we do helping our clients down the line. Um, in fact, like what staying ahead of the curve is one of the things that we saw 
with uh, with Relativity One when we were onboarding the tool, which maybe for those that are not familiar with the tool is uh, it's a cloud application that's designed to store and search and, and uh, filter through very sensitive information. Um, and so our clients were extremely keen on knowing, you know, where their sensitive information was going to be stored and was it going to be secure. Um, and this is probably something that your enterprise clients also had a, a massive interest in. Um, so what challenges did they see with moving to a cloud product? What concerns did they have? Oh man. Okay. So I always have this, <laughs> Yeah, I know. I have this temptation whenever people say what uh what our what our our tool does, our 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 SaaS tool and, and our performance and everything. I always have this thing where I want to use the internal um the company logo and mantra and everything where we say we organize data, we discover the truth, and then we act on it. And it is absolutely like what I hear when people say what we do. I'm like, yeah, we organize, like go ahead, say that. <laughs> but but that's that's what ended up happening with enterprise clients. They were like, okay, I got to organize a ton of stuff and I got to get something out of all this data. Um, I can't keep doing this myself, you know, piecemeal and uploading an image here, an image there, and then manually searching through this, like an e like the old school e-discovery, right? Mm -hmm. They needed something to do that. So it started to be attractive for us to have, you know, our tool, which is capable of doing so much more for them, and now is leading into the realms of things like compliance with Trace, and um, there's also things that we use it for internally in security, actually, which might show up someday in a roadmap, by the way. But there's there's this thing that these enterprise customers were saying, okay, that's awesome. You guys seem like you have a really great tool, but I need to know about the security, which is why I feel like I'm a little bit like a traveling salesman because I have to go and show what we put together. Like, let me show you our architecture. Let me show you how we do defense in depth. Let me walk you through how we have, you know, mastered the breaking of the kill chain several times over because every large enterprise customer has a different language that they speak about what resonates with them. And so if you have financial industry, I've noticed in the in my realm of, of global financial customers, they seem to speak a little bit more um, kind of like government, government kind of style. And so and almost military at times. Um, that's definitely the case in the US and that's the case in some areas of Europe and some in APAC. So if you're able to really show that you have a, a strictness and a governance to your security program, then they'll start to continue the conversation. So those are the first hurdles we get through is proving that, you know, something like in this platform, that a cloud platform is really useful for them. That's kind of step one. Step two is getting past the security concerns and making sure that they know that we've got that covered. Now, here's the interesting thing that we do for our team. We don't just check the box with security. We try to make this program so amazing that it's something that people can't replicate very easily. And there's a ton of intelligence that we focus on. And so we have over 300 intelligence feeds that we throw in against all of the telemetry of our cloud atmosphere. So when we're hitting against all of these events, we have like over 400 billion events that you know we're looking through for the year to date. When we're going across that, who else has telemetry like that in a cloud environment? Microsoft obviously has has pretty good telemetry, um, but it's very hard to replicate that. And also Microsoft is not specializing in what we are, which is the legal tech community and sensitive data that's specific to customers and partners that are looking for this kind of information for trials and so on. So we have a little bit different profile. Enterprise customers love that. They love to know, we actually profile each one of our Relativity One customers. We profile them out, we build a profile that focuses on their security themselves, and we start to monitor for any mention of them in the dark web. 
and for them to potentially being attacked. And there have been several reports where we've gone to a customer for Relativity One to say, you haven't been hit yet, but we see some chatter and this is probably how they're gonna come at you. And we've helped give them some intelligence reports um, that are highly classified at this point, but it gets them kind of ahead of things. And that's something you can't replicate um, and you can't do very well in other programs. And so, I mean, when you have other, other companies that have good security, it's always great to, to give that to work with them. So while we can't beat everybody, we love to partner with the ones who are better than us too, because then we can really get together and make this like impenetrable field that's not gonna lose any data and it's not gonna have anybody exfiltrate anything. So these enterprise customers look for that. And then the last one is they just wanna know that you have some security frameworks. Like I said, that you're doing it sustainably, that you can prove every month if they wanted to, they could say like, how do I know that you're approving your ISO 27001, your SOC 2 type two? We have to have that constant you know, rigor in the program that shows that we test all of these controls and we always meet our SLAs that we put in and we have all of this in place. And once you've got all of those lined up, an enterprise customer is probably willing to have coffee with you. That's probably where it'll go. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you have a lot of a lot of stuff on your plate at the moment, but it sounds extremely, extremely interesting. In particular, about checking stuff on the dark web. I think that's that's uh, that's incredible. Um, so. Based on how busy you are at the moment and all the stuff that you're that you're working on, in terms of the future, how do you see your role evolving or or, or any kind of trends um, in terms of security side of things in the future? Oh man, I feel like I should shake the like the eight ball that comes back and it says future seems hazy. Ask again later. <laughs> um, yeah. So right now, uh, I spoke with you know. And I'm sure you see this because I come across you all the time at conferences, right? But we're kind of a tight knit group, right? We know each other. It's a small industry. And so we talk with each other about what we do all the time. And I've spoken with other people who are in similar size companies and they're in the cloud environment, they're SaaS, and they're kind of in the same size and everything. So when I speak with them about what they do, they're doing the same thing I am. I had one one particular CISO said, it was like, how much time do you spend on customer calls? And I was like, oh man, that's like a huge part of it, right? So a ton of educational focus is out there that we're trying to get people comfortable with the cloud now. And now we're also trying to push that envelope and the boundary a little bit into that threat landscape where we're trying to become a voice that says, even if you're not with Relativity One, please do good security and this is what some of the fundamentals are and here's some things that we learned the hard way weren't the way to go here's some things we learned were the way to go and we try to get that information out there with conferences and white papers i think that's going to continue that we're going to become more and more prevalent in this environment and i'm going to continue to have to be on the road a lot while i'm, I'm still going to all these things so you and i will see each other a lot more <laughs> um, but i think for the new like next three to five years i'm mostly focusing behind the scenes and at work, when I'm at work every day, on those threats that are coming at us that we weren't expecting. And so I think one of them, like anything that's living off the land, so Meltdown, Spectre, that was a scare for a lot of people to find out something had been hanging out for so long. I think we're gonna see more things like that. And I know I'm sure we'll talk about threats that we see coming, but I have to throw this out there that that's the thing that I focus on is researching in that area. I think this role becomes more of a researcher in the years to come and trying to be more predictive as a strategist. Um, that's where it's been, but it's getting heavier in that area. And then the second area is I think that this role will become more and more focused on privacy and business continuity disaster recovery. You know, typically privacy is in the realm of like your legal entity that you have in your company, 
but recently we just transitioned it over to me because I think that privacy should be with me and I'm not trying to land grab. The reality is I have a different motivation. I don't want privacy to just be, okay, I checked the box. I want it to be amazing. I think there's going to be more and more focus on privacy in these next years now that we've dealt with all of the different regulations and all of this changing environment we've been seeing this last couple of years in Europe. It's going to continue to get worse before it gets better and you may as well get your ducks in a row now and show that you have a good program as opposed to being late to the game and trying to scramble. So privacy is going to be a big part of the role. And then the business continuity and disaster recovery, I'd have to pry that away from my CIO's dead hand if I wanted to get it. Um, so I won't get it, but I would. I am super involved with what their focus is in there because that's the other thing. A lot of people are checking the box with their BCDR but they're not doing a great job of showing it, testing it, um, making sure that it's really rigid and it's, it's got a lot of depth to it. Um, those programs are just kind of flimsy. And so we take it very seriously here at Relativity. I don't know about other companies. Um, I don't work there, so I don't know. But I think that's an area that this role is going to focus on a lot in the next couple of years. I don't know. I'm, I'm super curious, by the way. I know we're not supposed to probably pivot back to you, but I'd love to know if that's what you assumed I was going to say. Yeah, well, it's always interesting when we are, when we're talking about again trends or future because, as you say, we always kind of come across the same topics and the same difficulties or the same things that we're seeing um, that are that are happening. And you mentioned, um, as you say, some companies that at least the awareness of those that are not really prepping or maybe are not as strong on the security side to at least say, okay, well, at least do something about it, you know, um, make sure that you're covering these bases. Um, and the main thing that comes to mind to me is the, the basically a supply chain uh, issue. Uh, you know, how do you monitor your third parties like that you depend so much on as well? Um, again, going back to what, we were, what I mentioned earlier, um, I was talking to a colleague of mine and we were doing a webinar the other day and some of the, the, the we asked a question about what is the biggest difficulty for you or for your organization from a, you know, data protection point of view. And I was quite surprised about the answer because I think it was like somewhere around, I think it was 60, 70% people said it was actually managing third parties. And I wasn't actually expecting that at all, but it is such a big thing because it's outside of their control. As you said, some organizations just take a box um, and it's very difficult to be monitoring that compliance, but at the same time, you're just as dependent on your third parties as you might be on your own employees. Um, so it's definitely something that requires a lot of attention. Um, on the privacy side, 100%, obviously being in Europe, uh, what we're seeing is that on the one hand, privacy is amazing for you know, individuals uh, to make sure that obviously that your data is protected and it's handled with uh, the, the due care that it deserves. But we're also seeing that a lot of, um, especially in, it's become a bit of an insider threats weapon. So, um, you know, in the, with the likes of data subject access requests and um, I suppose portability, all that kind of stuff. But as you say, if you have your ducks in a row, if you have prepared, it shouldn't be something that should cripple your organization. You should be ready or expecting it. Like, you might not want to have to go through it with it all the time, but you should be ready for it, you know? Um, and when you're not, it just causes this organization so much, um, just so much heartache ultimately, because somebody has to go and do it. And it's probably going to cost them way more than they originally thought it would. Um, so, so I 100% agree. It's, it's, I think we, there's always a, a points where we always kind of come together and come to the same conclusion. So it's good to see that it's not just us who are seeing that. Um, so, I mean, I think um, 
what we've seen as well lately in terms of trends, because we were discussing, you know, what are the significant trends in, in the kind of cyber space. Um, and what we've seen as well, again, going back to the insider threat is a lot of uh, attacks that we've been seeing lately are related to phishing attacks. So especially for those that, you know, somebody sends, you know, a, 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 an email, somebody clicks on a link and all of a sudden months later, they realize, oh, hold on, somebody's actually been snooping around our, uh, our servers and our mailboxes and we didn't even know about it. So, um, so that's one of the things that we've definitely seen uh, from clients of ours that, that come to us and, and say, oh, and what do we have to do now? You know, we've been fished and it's not just, we've lost a lot of money or all of a sudden all this other data that belongs to a lot of other people has to be analyzed to see if do we have to contact them because these have been now put at risk. So again, it's just things that actually go hand in hand. So the cyber threat goes hand in hand with privacy, hand in hand with the data review, with the discovery, <laughs> the forensics, like they're all coming together um, in a, you know, kind of nicely, I suppose, but it's just ultimately uh, becoming the, the sphere of your information management and your information security. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's we're seeing similar, similar things to, to you. Um, in terms of what you think, in terms of like, I don't know, like new technologies that we're seeing, uh, what's your view on that? Do you have any kind of thoughts on what's the next cool thing to be using? Oh man, I, I have what the <laughs> next cool thing not to be using is. Um, so before before I answer that, you said something and it sparked something in my mind that I definitely wanted to say. Um, first of all, so the phishing thing is, um, I don't have the exact thing on my head, but I know it's something like 93% or 97% or something of attacks that are successful are coming from phishing nowadays. So people are still our, you know, our biggest weakness, right? Hopefully, at Relativity, I feel they're our biggest strength, but that's you know not the same at a lot of companies. Um, so I think that the exploitation of people for for trends, why would that ever go away, right? So that's that's obviously something that's been super successful and it's just getting better. There is a trend, and this will kind of tie in with the technology that I think it's important for the future, by the way. Um, there is a trend about advanced persistent threats that are coming after cloud and other supply chain attacks that I think is really important to focus on. Uh, and it's from, it depends on your nomenclature that you use, but we use, so like APT10, which is also sometimes referred to as APT31. Um, but this particular, group of attackers has been active for a while now and what they're starting to do is really target and strategize to exploit targets such as defense contractors, technology vendors, cough cough, um, financial companies, anyone they can including law firms in Germany, uh, APT 31 if you want to consider it 31 or 10, uh, just hit them a couple months ago and they were warned ahead of time that this was coming. Uh, but nobody really took it seriously, perchance. I'm not sure what their reasoning was, but there was warnings that was out there. So the concern you have for this is that we are a widely distributed company and we are widely, everybody is. You guys are too, right? There's a global presence. The more your presence expands around the globe, the more we have to rely upon technology in order to do our job. So you have to sign into things like LogBeIn or Citrix. Um, you have this distributed workforce. We have uh, MSSPs out there are being attacked by this, this group as well. So it's, it's like there's this entity out there that's identified, well, we know there's people, so we're going to use phishing, and we know they're globally distributed, so we're going to go after their supply chain. So this is the area where vendors have to do a good job 
they do have to do due diligence and they have to have those certifications to show that they're taking security seriously and they're taking your data seriously. Um, so I think that this is something that people should be paying more and more attention to in the next few years and they're going to continue because it just keeps hitting. Uh, APT10 I think started years ago but they've been really forceful. There was a network for Visma, a bunch of stuff was going on in Norway, it was a ton of stolen Citrix credentials. So things like this are, are accumulating more and more debt uh, to these companies because they're not able to get ahead of it. So that's one thing I wanted to say because you sparked that in my head. So sorry to go on a soapbox tangent, but that was that's my big thing I'm focusing on. Um, but for the technology, the flip side of that is that, and you mentioned this uh, with the phishing, you said, you know, you see people out there and then somebody had been in their systems for quite some time and they've been exfiltrating data. I think the endpoints are starting to be a problem. I think that we've been relying upon these endpoints to be our visibility into everything for so long that they're starting to almost not be useful because we're not relying upon what comes from the endpoint. We're not focusing on the telemetry or the lateral movement because, and, and I know I know some of the entities that you're referring to about like they've had the phishing attack and then they had people in their network for a while. The problem with that is not the endpoint. The endpoint could have been secure. Maybe you had, you know, Semantic, which I've worked at, so they have a good endpoint plug for them, but maybe they had it. Maybe it wasn't patched. Maybe it wasn't up to date. Who knows? Um, but the real question is, why didn't you catch it with lateral movement? Why didn't we monitor for that traffic for potential C2 exfiltration? So I think we have less focus on the endpoint. And I say that even knowing that I still invest in endpoint security, right? I still have carbon black. We still have plenty of different things that are going on for our defense in depth there and the layered approach. But I do, as much as you do that, you have to focus on what's happening after the endpoint and focus on that visibility. Because I think this is where we're gonna have some consolidation occur. There are some people who are starting to focus on um, you know, products that basically put you in like virtual environments when you're working and then flip you back if there's an infection. I think that if you do something like that, there's a consolidation effort being done. Less tools that are dispersed, um, less of this suite of tools. This was something I did think was interesting. Semantic was always like, okay, here I am. It's like the traveling salesman. You roll out this like carpet bag of tons of tools you have to get, right? You have to get 18 different things in order to feel secure. And I think you're going to start to see some consolidation efforts that are going to say, you know, there's some technologies out there that are going to wrap this all into one and say, how about you just buy this one thing? and you're gonna get the same experience that you had over there. We're gonna have great visibility on your endpoints, but we're gonna correlate that with your network for you. And you're not gonna to have to do a ton of you know, specification in your SIM. I mean, Splunk you know, signature development is one of the things we spend a lot of time on. And I think this is where we're going as a consolidation effort. That's a long answer, but I hope you agree with that. So I'm gonna see what you say. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And did you know what, when you were saying that about consolidation is exactly the reason why people move to the cloud, you know? Why do you have to worry about all your servers and all your global locations where you have to patch this and the other, oh, it doesn't suit this person, this is gonna be down, I can't do that now, I'll go back later, you know? People want a nice dashboard and say, oh, yeah, done, 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 perfect, sort of. You know, like a, you want somewhere where you can kind of centralize your stuff so it's easier to manage. And as that stuff grows and grows and grows, um, it's just not feasible to say, oh, I'll just control this bit here and that bit here, and then that guy goes on holidays. So, oh God, who's going to look after that in his absence? And you know, I think it's just exactly this is what what came to my mind is that that centralization. And um, and again, as you say, if we're as as companies go global, as people want to, you know, 
work remotely, it's not going to go away. Like the amount of, of um, job positions that are now remote and remote locations, people work from their homes and, um, you know, there's a, there's a level as well of physical security there that we might forget as well, but but um, it's not going to go away. So as you say, yeah, we might as well make sure that you're using the right tools to, to be able to, to sustain that ultimately. Um, and it's very interesting what you say about having a suite of tools because that's something that I've seen as well with our clients is there is a large volume of tools. Half of the people in that organization don't know they use them or they don't know how they work. And somebody just decided to buy them a couple of years ago. And uh, it was great at the time. And, you know, I think what I've seen as well is that if an organization uses tools and they're not sure how they operate, it puts them at such risk um, that, you know, we, you know we've hit, we have cases where clients of ours were using, probably in the scope of like a forensics case, for example, where data had been shared through over different applications in the cloud. And they're like, oh, why did we share that document? Well, that's part of the settings and, that you have in your application, that that person is available to see that information that you ultimately shared with them. So um, it's about managing that as well and not just, um, you know, just going and buying whatever looks kind of cool um, and, and just assuming it's all going to go um, go well for you. So, yeah, I think if you minimize the amount of tools that you use that will cover, and as we're seeing that a lot of tools now are covering a lot of bases, um, it will definitely help manage it for, for the either the IT department that manages it or the security department, whatever it is. Um, would definitely be easier for them to, to sustain. Um, don't know if you have any anything to add to to that, but uh, I think I mean no, because you you obviously like I mean the answer would be cloud, right? So I love where you're going with that. <laughs> well, there's a reason say. for it. There's a reason yeah. for it, you know. Um, yeah. No, honestly though, like it's it is something that I think uh, again we mentioned we have to look ahead. You have to see what's um, a manageable and sustainable solution for people to to actually use in the future. And as as data grows, it's just not a sustainable solution to just go on an ad hoc basis. And that it, that it, you know that covers again your servers or it covers your tools, applications that you use, or you know the people that do the work for you. You know, so I, th I think it it is something that has to be has to be covered. Um, yeah. So just to kind of, I suppose, wrap it all up, um, how, would your opinion, how can organizations become more resilient against security risks that are out there? Oh man, this is the high, high pressure question really, because everyone's going to listen to this answer. Um, so I've, I've said this before when I've spoken about maturity of organizations with their security, and um, so I guess I'll stand by it but you can often rate the maturity of an organization based upon where their, their central focus is. And so pretty early on in development of a security program, people focus on just response because normally, oh, something bad happened. Um, so that phishing took place or what have you. And they kind of run around and try to respond to it. They pull in a third party to help them probably because they don't have a developed team or a process and so on. And as they get a little bit more mature, they'll move over into detection becoming a central focus and getting more visibility. 
So and the, the next realm is prevention. So whenever you've gotten good response strategies in place, you're doing a pretty good job, you've got it staffed up, you have your business continuity ready to go, then you've got good detection, the, the all-seeing eye of Sauron for Lord of the Ring fans, like that, that visibility, right? And that centralized location you're talking about, like if it's a SIM or if it's an MSSP, whatever your realm is, but the ability to consolidate all that information so you can make sense of it. Then you get to prevention. So you take that information, you correlate it with all that intel that I've thrown out there before and mentioned because I'm so focused on those zero days and about potentially whenever there's anomalous detections, when there's UEBA in place, the user and entity behavior analytics, you're getting ahead of things. So maybe something bad hasn't happened, but maybe these four events together correlate into something using AI or machine learning, to use all the buzzwords in one answer, by the way, but using all that information, you get a little bit of where there's smoke, there's fire, right? So maybe it didn't mean anything that this person logged in at two o'clock in the morning because they typically log in at two o'clock in the morning. But when they logged in at two o'clock in the morning from you know Russia, but two minutes before they had been in Chicago, hey, that's going to be a red flag, you know, that's kind of an obvious one. But the scanning activity could be another thing where reconnaissance activity is taking place and you can start to get that information and then put detections in place that are going to prevent anything and then automate those detections and mitigations and that's that's kind of how we've developed the strategy here so i sure hope it's a good one and i hope that people would agree because i think prevention is going to be key but you can't get there unless you've done a good job with your detection and response strategy and then you have when people say these buzzwords about ai or machine learning they there has to be some reason you're using that you can't just say oh we do that it's actually that you literally are using that data to make predictions and inferences and actually putting that into place and saying, not only did we predict that with some machine learning, but we also automated it in our Palo Alto environment that whenever this happens, it ceases traffic on that port or so on. So putting that all together is what ends up becoming a really strong program that's going to make you resilient. And the last thing I'll mention is not doing it in a vacuum. I'm very focused on this idea. Um, this is a really odd one, but I love the movie 300. I'm super, my background's all like archaeology and history. So like, I love this idea. But military strategists back then, you had these 300 people that are against 28,000 Persians at, at the hot gates, right? This idea that the reason that they were still so effective, whether they went down or not, they were still effective because when they were shoulder to shoulder, they were just as strong as the person next to them. So that's the reason why we're so active and we're so much out in the environment is we're trying to make sure that the person next to us, so you guys, for instance, are just as strong as we are so that not only are they not getting into us, but they're not getting into you either. And that's the thing I think that people don't always take away. And when it comes to security, we can't do this in a vacuum. We have to do this together and we have to help each other get lifted up here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think um, you mentioned there, ultimately getting the metrics and using AI. I've, we've come across cases as simple as clients didn't have logging enabled or a very, very limited amount of it. So again, you know, you mentioned metrics, you just have to start with some metrics and ensure that, you know, there are controls in place that you have logging enabled, that you're able to know whether somebody's logging in from Russia or not. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and just to make sure that you have a starting point, because um, otherwise you're kind of, yeah, you're completely in the dark. Um, and if something happens, then it's really difficult to diagnose as well, because you just have nothing to work with. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I think the, the shoulder to shoulder, um, I like 300 as well. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's about not just, I think it's about partnerships 
I think it's about understanding your third parties, um, your supply chain, and your employees and the people that you work with. Because as you say, if we all come together, yeah. all those areas together, then yeah, then we're extremely strong. The minute somebody, you know, takes goes away, moves away from the the human chain, then you know it just weakens both sides. So um, I think that's that's a that's a great great approach. I think there's a lot to do there in the ra raising awareness as well. Um, just to, again, the awareness of that that in their strength in numbers, and ultimately it's it's everybody's role and duty to to go ahead and, and put these measures in place and ensure that we're, we're all secure uh, in our in our day-to-day -day work and, and that's why we do this right we all love security we don't just love security for our own little fiefdom we love security for everything so of course mm -hmm. like it's it's, yeah. it's a fascinating thing we're all passionate about it yeah exactly exactly well amanda thanks so much for for uh, taking the time to speak with us today our guest today was amanda Fennell, the chief security officer at relativity and it was a pleasure as always to talk to you um so thanks very much again um and we'll see you soon thank you thanks